So we're, we're set. So if we look at uh, the field of c contemplation and action, and um, and each con contributing how we see and understand this these a areas, and perhaps um, a useful way to begin would be for us to state what we mean by contemplation. So uh, we'd like to <laughs> ask what we mean by that. What does contemplation mean? It's a word that is quite difficult. It's very popular and it's even a catch word. And it has all sorts of levels. Right, so what, what would be um, one or two of the levels to use, you think, sister, with regard to this catchword of contemplation? Uh, um, I think that it represents something we're all looking for. Mm. Or we're all trying to live in one way or another a kind of a, a, a way of looking at things, an attitude, mm -hmm. uh, which is the derivation of the word. I think it means mirare, look. Mm. But it also means teoria in Greek, which is uh, sounds like theory, um, which I think is the highest form of what we can try for. Mm. in this life, as long as we see it including everything. I don't know if that's very yeah. clear. But. So, if contemplation means to, to look and to keep looking, what's worth contemplating? What's worth, you say, look at everything? What, what, does, it, what does that mean for, for a person, for us? Mm. Well, I, I think that um, when I say look at everything, what I could say is that there is a, uh, an ancient Christian writer who talks about looking at the reasons of things, or in other words, looking at the inner flame of things. Mm. and. It's connected with each one's faith, mm. I think, that gives the content to that attitude of looking. Yes. For example, if I look, as I have been looking lately at natural things, I can look at a, a tree that has produced in total silence and stillness a, a new new leaves and flowers, and I can see if I'm con contemplating in the way I, I see it something that's behind all that, and it can be defined in so many different ways. It mm. can be the old um, Maximus the Confessor, and the in the fifth century said. You look behind and you see the the reasons of mm. things, but those reasons are connected in my mind with a power and an energy that comes 
from somewhere else, which I connect as a Christian with God, who is the Creator, and uh, that this includes, it seems to me, to cover everything in my daily life. I see this kind of energy going through everything, mm. and if I, as as a the contemplation that I'm thinking of now, which is what they call the first contemplation, the content, natural contemplation, mm. I reach by a practice, which is another matter, the contemplative practice, which enters into the training towards this mm. way of looking at things. So, so contemplation here meaning that if I they take something in nature, say like you say a tree, and totally, totally look at that. I'll begin to see more than just what I'm immediately mm -hmm. confronted with, namely mm -hmm. the form, shape, mm -hmm. and color of the tree. But and I would, I would distinguish there because you can say that if we each look at a tree, and one is an artist, and sees simply the color and the mm. form and the shape and yeah. so on. And another is a scientist mm. and looks at it in its cells. Yes. And or if you're an ecologist, you're looking at it with a feeling of something that could be harmful. Yes. Uh, and my, uh, my particular bent would be that I would look at it in connection with, with the energies of God himself. Yes. The spirit working. Right. So I, the tree is... is in some way, because of the energy, um, a manifestation and an intimation of something transcendent to it. Yes, yes. And that, and it's that spirit that makes it contemplative. I think yes. so. I, I, as this is a very sketchy sort of. Yes. I mean, it's very unfinished, because I took a tree, because I was looking at a tree as we came along, mm. but I think. As you go on in the practice of contemplation, it doesn't matter what you look at. You come through, to, yes. through this attitude, you see something greater. Mm. Now, do I, do, for mention that this is the first, let's say, natural contemplation, does one need for contemplation, to take something from, or anything, from the visible world? Or look can it be without? Hmm? You can look into yourself. Right. Hmm. And you can look into yourself, and you have no object there, mm -hmm. but you're still contemplating. And there is a contemplation that has no object, but it's an awareness. And they would touch being itself. And they? Being yes. itself. Therefore, my original nature, shall mm. we say, is what I am contemplating. Yes. Only the type of contemplation for me is always connected with the more, the something that's bigger. How, how in. Um, um, say, the inner contemplation, say, with, with the outer, let us say, um, it might appear to be a little bit easier, 
insofar as one has a specific object, mm. and this object implies something greater. Mm -hmm. If I'm contemplating inwardly, and there's just a pure awareness there, and I have no object, as mm -hmm. you describe, what is going to imply something greater? Understand? Yeah, because I don't think you necessarily need an object. You may need an object as you begin to enter into a contemplative way yes. as a kind of mediation to help you. Yes. And a mediation can use your senses, yes. and your inner senses, mm. in order that you may reach the attitude in which you're, a, you're a, in a state of awareness, yes. of being. Now how, how it takes you to something else, greater, I yes. think that's a question of faith. Mm. I, I think so, I think, I don't know, I think that I would explain it by saying because you have a faith that tells you something. Yes. It's not a faith in the sense of faith in dogmas or anything, it's mm. just a faith. And, and the word faith, of course, needs a yes. good deal more. Right. Um, so there is some that we're in, say, in our inner awareness where we come to a place of, so we say, pure contemplation without an object. And then it's at this point that the the faith puts us before an object which is transcendent. The Evagrius of Pontus says that when you come to that point, you are, you reach the place of God. But he takes that out of the Bible. He mm. call, he takes a wonderful description in which God appeared on, uh, with his footsteps were stepped on sapphire-coloured. Uh, pavement and so on, mm. which are uh, <coughs> biblical expressions, but what he reaches is a, a contemplation of a God as Trinity. And there you come to another point where yes. you would need to expand. But the, the, the thing is that you meet there, if you reach that point of contemplation, you're going on to beyond the natural contemplation mm -hmm. to reach the, the the transcendent, not merely the transcendent in a natural way which we find mm -hmm. in daily life, but a transcendent which is beyond you, but which by faith you know is there. Let's take, because we've used three concepts here which uh, can be difficult or possibly unfamiliar, mm -hmm. I think one is faith, one is Trinity and one is transcendent. Mm -hmm. So, if faith is a quality of mind, a quality of heart and mind, absolutely essential, how else might it be described? And what, what, what are we talking about? Faith? Because, as far as a quality of mind, that is a natural faith, no? Which you can have. Example, what would be an example of a um, natural faith? I'm afraid I'm going to explain it badly because if I say I believe in something, mm. 
belief and faith are not the same thing. No. But here, I, my idea of contemplation was based on faith in the sense of a gift which comes to me, mm-hmm. but which contains not only it's a biblical faith, yes. and the biblical yes. faith is not just we've divided it up into three words, but in reality it's one. Mm. Faith, hope, and charity are just one thing. Mm. And faith contains love, and love contains faith. Yes. And uh, according to my understanding, that that faith, which is basic to my contemplation, is something which I receive. Mm. And I think all men on this earth Mm. receive it. Because God has enlightened all men who came into this world. Mm. That's a word of scripture which I believe very much. And the enlightening is another word for faith. Mm. That there's a capacity to contemplate. Without it, but I don't think man exists without Mm. it. I think that it's it's an error, and I think this is where. So, so if I get it right here, as is then, faith is a is a gift which all human beings received by virtue Mm. of being human. human, right? And that in a state of inward contemplation. This gift is present activated. actively mm-hmm. and therefore it doesn't have to be sought after or developed or looked for, but in an objectless inner contemplation, the faith will be there. I think so. Mm. I think it's there with the contemplation it develops yes in power and capacity naturally. Where it comes into another element is where it's connected with revelation. Scriptural or personal? Scriptural. Mm. Scriptural revelation, Mm. which gives a more, what should I say, details more what this signifies. Mm. But as far as faith goes, it's, it's the the definition of faith itself is the certainty of something which we cannot perceive. Right. right. So you, you see there you've got something where you are in a mystery. Yes. But it exists. But the 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 detailed knowledge of it in ultimate analysis it comes to me because I believe Someone has said something. Let me get it clear. So in this contemplation there is the faith there. And then this faith and the journey which is taking place, let us say from something known to unknown, Mm -hmm. which is happening naturally because of the movement of faith. Then you said in that journey scriptural revelation has an importance. I I may... I mean, I could say, but lots of people don't know the scripture. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I would modify that perhaps by saying all men have, in one way or another, mm. the capacity. It's like a capacity. Yes. It's mediated. Mm. And here you have different paths to different religions yes. in which this man or that man have found the mediation, yes. have come upon it by ma many, for many different reasons, some of them being because you're born somewhere yes. and you're there mm. in front of it, and others in another way. Mm -hmm. I happen to have been born in a Christian family. Yes. Then the, this revelation was given right. to me, but I can see perfectly well that this mediation can come through other things, through a Hindu. Right. But would you, uh, let me get it clear, would you say here, sister, that the various forms of mediation mm -hmm. and your, uh, as you say, openness and receptivity to them, that the mediation has actually happened before you come to this place of contemplation with faith, or the mediation can be happening during or after? Do you see what I mean? You mean to a single man? Yes. I mean, many people, I think, live their whole lives with... they're not even conscious of the faith they have. Right. They don't know it's there. Right. But I think many people have it in different forms. Mm. And a mediation not, need not necessarily be through religion as, as such. such. It can be through, through a multitude mm. of things. That's why I think that art maybe a mediation yes. that carries on to something to touch a mystery yes. without the person hardly knowing what they're, no. they're talking about, you see. But I can't, I can't see that it's particularly timed this way and that because I think the faith grows, how it grows mm. and when it grows. I think that's part of one of those mysteries, mysteries that we yes. can't, we can go very near, perhaps, but we can't get hold of. Mm. Now, in, in, in that, the, the contemplative, objectless awareness, where faith is at work and there's a movement towards, and there's the support of uh, scripture and scriptural insight, all of which allows that flow to take place, then so in Christian terminology, one would say the primary mediator is Jesus. Mm -hmm. where, where, where in this inwardness, where is the centrality of Jesus? Is it that Jesus inspires us to come to contemplative faith? Or that Jesus' real work begins during this period? What, what I think it can be either. Because I can imagine a person who is a Christian mm. without practically knowing they're a Christian mm. who discovers the reality of faith at some point mm. and thereafter the reality of what scripture contains and there's a development there. Other people, and I think this is very true, that many people go inwardly in a search without object. Yes. 
but there they meet a presence which after they can verify in the sense that in the gospel Christ has said he will live in you, I will live in you, my Father will live in you, my Spirit is in you. Mm. You may quite conceivably discover that before you have seen it in Scripture. Where, 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 where is there that kind of confirmation or affirmation? Well, in Scripture. Yes. Well, well, it's John's Gospel. That, that... The words, you mean? Yes, yes, well, yes. yes. But yes. Christ has it in, in uh, when he says, um, I will be with you. I will, um, he who knows my father, me knows my father, father, and we will come and we will dwell in him. Yes. St. John's Gospel is full of the word dwelling. Mm. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Yes. Um, there are innumerable texts. Now, but they're mostly in St. John's Gospel right. and in St. Paul. Now, wouldn't that, within, within the uh, scriptural text, imply um, an, an historical knowledge of Jesus? The, the text itself? Well, well the, 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 the statements. You know, in other words, for this inwardness, does it mean that one actually has to know about the historical person of Jesus? No. No, otherwise no. you'll know. No. Why? Right. I mean, it, to say will... no would be, it would be quite a radical statement from a Christian, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that, it that you are not... Uh, wait a minute. Put that straight okay, away. I put it right away. In, in, um, in my understanding of normal Christian Living. Living and understanding. Yes. It's absolutely essential that one knows about the historical person of Jesus in order to find God. No. That one actually knows about his life, what he said, etc., etc. Most characterized by the statement most famous one, chapter 14, verse 6. Um, I am the way, the life, and the truth. No one can reach the Father except by me. Yes, but... This um, is the, oh, I mean, been the major hurdle, hasn't for... Uh, many people. For many, both Christians and non-Christians. Mm -hmm. This particular but, statement. Yeah, but I think there you'll have to see it. You don't have to do fundamentalist readings. No. And I think that God has all kinds of ways of telling us about himself. Mm. And there are Christians who have only hazy notions about Revelation. Yes. And they have the haziest notions. Mm. And they have the falsest notions. Right. They may be Christians. And God knows what's going on in their minds. So how can we understand? Right. But as it, but mm. if I, if anyone says I am a Christian, <coughs> they imply that they are followers of Christ. Yes. But it doesn't imply necessarily that they know a lot of things. 
They may know very little because I have met, I remember a Hindu girl who wanted to be baptized, but she knew nothing, but she knew Christ. Mm. How? God knows. Yes. Christ reveals himself to people, yes. independently of us, independently of all our lessons. And this I believe very much, and I think that you can, you are, there are people who are Christians deeply, and yet, outwardly, yes. there's lacking all this. Evidently, yes. when you're born in a, in a country which says it's Christian, mm. you take it for granted that all this has to be uh, there, present, yes. in order to be Christian. Yes, right. But then I have, I don't feel like that because I think God is much greater than all these things. I believe in Christ because I believe that God sent Christ. Yes. But I might know very little about historical proofs of, and yes. so on. What about knowing? But nothing? I have, I can know with a with a supernatural knowledge, and very little. Yes. Uh, human content. Right. Do you know? Yes. I don't know that I'm, I hope I'm not talking. No, no, you, it's, no it's, it's, it's quite, cl no, no, it's quite uh, clear, sister. It's only that, um, what I imply anyway, that in a way you're speaking of um, um, a, a universal Christ or a, uh, um, a Christ which is discoverable by all beings, mm -hmm. even if he or she knows nothing of the text, mm -hmm. has never seen the Bible. Yeah. Now, would you say, to go back to the contemplative aspect, there's the, cont the contemplation um, and the faith, and the faith of something far greater. Mm. If a person is not using the word C-H-R-I-S-T because he or she doesn't. truly doesn't know. Mm -hmm. What are you referring to? If that, just that word and the text is totally unknown, what is, what is, what is the finding of Christ within, without that concept? Well, the finding of Christ is the finding of God. Yes. Therefore, if I find God, I find Christ, because Christ, there I come to the Trinity. So yes, okay. Good. See, so we, because we, right, there okay. is Christ in the Revelation, and if you know it, you know that Christ, the, his whole preaching was towards the Father. Yes. He was leading people to the Father, and he was going to leave mm. them the Spirit. And so these three persons yes. are... God for us. Mm. Now, how all this is defined is another question. Mm. It's a question for theologians, yes. for all the historical arguments mm. that can go on till the end of time, yes. and we'll never quite find it. But a person who is a contemplative doesn't need all that detail. No. A person who is a contemplative contemplates God. Christ is there. Now, it can be more or less specific. Mm. I can say it's specific for me 
because I know the Gospels mm. and I have uh, a certain background, but I can well believe that there are persons, there are Buddhists who have a recognition of Christ in a very mysterious and quite undefinable way. Mm. But I, I, because Christ is more than just the historical person. Yes, no, right. Is now, that <laughs> right? Um, would you say um, uh, certainly sometimes um, with um, Christians when something is a little difficult to <laughs> I put it rather simply a little difficult to explain the word mystery is used it's a, it's a kind of catchphrase it's kind yes, of religious yes. rhetoric yes it can be not always it it can be can't explain it so. as a mystery <laughs> <laughs> well I think that you you will understand because you know other religions that you know that human life itself you can go to a certain point mm. and after that you cannot go. Yes. No matter how clever you are, no matter how marvelous your techniques and how much, how much scientific knowledge has been worked up, you get to a point you can't go any further. Yes. And that point is what we have to call, you can call it another name if you like, but it has to be called a mystery. <laughs> right. You can't get away from it. All right, right. But in, in religion, it's very true that in Christianity, especially, we, we have been very careless about a lot of things. Yes. We've talked like that. And many people are on a, their defensive mm. and they get worked up and they put barriers where there aren't any, really. But um, the question of mystery, it comes into our human life at all points. Yes. It comes into religion, I think, at certain levels, which seem to me fairly obvious. The thing, uh, for example, what will happen after death? Mm. Can you tell me? You can say all sorts of explanations. Yes, uh, a genuine you, unknown situation. Yes, uh, but you haven't been there and you haven't... Well, now, we right. can stop now and they can do something. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in a way, I wonder whether... I don't know whether this is um, quite the... Uh, say, an appropriate way of looking. But, see, in the inter inner contemplative work, mm -hmm. um, particularly at the deeper levels, the sense of oneself um, in terms of their ego structure, our personal history, all what we believe in, think we are, seems to be increasingly less relevant. Mm -hmm. Blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, this, this, this uh, dropping away of all our personal accumulations identity doesn't seem to have yes. any real relationship to where we're going. Mm -hmm. It's like it's mm -hmm. unrelated to it. Yeah. And I wonder, in that fading away, and as it, as it were, becoming nothing, self-naughting in a natural way, not through yes. reaction, that, in a way, would it be right to say, only Christ can see God? How does that connect with, with what you just said? <laughs> Meaning, I 
me the uh, human being the human living here on this earth r right with all my conditioning and all my limitations etc etc et um, let them all drop off yes contemplatively yeah right therefore this all that's supposedly me mm -hmm. has no relationship to this contemplativeness with um, a faith which I haven't been able to make produce um, get hold of or whatever, mm -hmm. that in that there is something else, which we're saying Christ, let us mm -hmm. say, um, which begins to come into the consciousness. Yeah. And it's that which sees God. Only Christ can see God. I'm not sure. <laughs> Is it I'm too heretical? Sure. <laughs> no, I'll tell you why I'm not sure, because I've been reading some of the early fathers, mm. And there is one man called Simon, the new theologian, mm. who declared absolutely that nobody could be a Christian unless they'd, they'd experienced the Holy Spirit. Yes. And by experiencing the Holy Spirit, he meant something much more than just believing that the Holy Spirit was there. That, he meant yes. that there was a real, uh, proper, proper experience there. Um, I don't know whether when you say only Christ can see God, it's true, according to our scriptures, we yes. say no man can see God and live. Yes. That's why Moses, when he asked God to show himself, God said no, he showed sin and sort of mysterious way, the yes. mystery and, 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 and uh, uh, he, he, because he said you can't see me. So in, in that respect, it's something like, it is not I, it's not I but Christ. Well, there, and, there and you've got it. Yeah, that phrase can really be very, very appropriate. Yes. It's not I, but Christ in me. Right. Now, I think that I've heard Buddhists discussing this as being the most Zen sentence in the Bible. Because who is the I? Mm. It is not I, but Christ in me. But who is I? Well, that's... That's a koan. Yes, but um, I mean, I, in a way, with the differences in language, it seems that as as one gets um, deeper, common factors become much more noticeable, mm -hmm. and the differences of religion and the, the form sure. actually begin to drop away as one t takes it a little bit further and, and, and deeper. Well, surely, and if you if you go very deep, it's something that very often comes to me. This mm. thought: when we're all what will be left when everything's gone mm. of ourselves, this world, the surroundings, everything, all the things we've bothered about. Where will we be? We say God. But we have to say God. What? Mm. Who? How? Because you can't see him. You can't touch him. And you have, I have Christ's word for it. Yes. That he is there. And I have Christ's word for it. But all the, the um, theological mm. arguments about heaven and heaven, they all remain short of what is the reality, mm. because what is the reality? 
I mean, I believe in the reality, but right. I don't know it. I haven't seen it, I can't touch it. And in that sense, when you say only Christ can see him, mm. I believe it. Yes. But I am with him, I am united to him, mm. in order to see God. Right. But, and in that, as you just said, then you said um, um, about what the God is, what the reality is. Um, I have Christ's word for it. Mm -hmm. But is that a scriptural word there? What does that mean to you? When you it's say not it? only scriptural, it's, it's, a, it's something that I believe is in me. Yes. Presumably I have received it from outside, mm. from various experiences I've had as a Christian. But it can, it can be something that comes without any preparation. Mm. You're going back and back, I can see that you, you go to the point where ultimately, mm. what am I relying on? Ultimately. Yeah. I'm relying on a word, someone's told me. Mm. Or else I'm relying on an experience, an inward experience which I have had and which I can say I know it. Say what you like, analyze what you like, but I know it. Yes. I know there is a presence in me. Yes. I don't know it because I've read it, I don't know it, but I know it. And that has much more power that, and authority to it, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. They're, they're the two things, I think. Yes. I think they're two things, and I think that's common to all religions, too. Yes. And, and, and but it has the greater power, surely, because if I know it's possible to be an illusion. Yeah? You can possibly have a kind of a deluded mind, if you yeah. like, like mad people who think they are, don't know, mm. this and that and the other. But a real experience of deep contemplation is something mm. that you know. Mm. And that's that. No, what, right, so, so there's a, as you say, there's a deep experience of which one knows, and one does find, as you say, that, or imply, that what one knows in deeper contemplation also corresponds to what is said in Scripture. Well, yes, and I think that that is why St. Peter, I think, says that you, he was on the mountain with Christ at the Transfiguration. Yes. And he talks about it often. He said, and we saw the illumination of the Spirit. Mm. But he said, but we have firmer confirmation of this through the words of the prophets. Mm. In other words, he had the experience, which is personal, but it was confirmed from outside. Yes. And I believe that's a normal way of, yes. of functioning of every kind of religious experience. Right. And that if it were not, it could be very questionable, yeah. very often, what we're doing, you know. Mm -hmm. We'd be sort of wondering about, we'd all be seeing God and we'd all be thinking we are God, because there are people who, who come to that point. But why is mm -hmm. it, what, what happens, say, in a, a deep religious experience, mm -hmm. either through the contemplative process or unexpectedly, or through a particular situation, mm. that very easily the mind, and then sees, yes, it corresponds with what 
is stated in the, in the scriptures, in the revelation. How the mind easily takes hold of this, and something seems to take place where dogmatism, narrow-mindedness, uh, and all the more unsatisfactory aspects of religion begin to come in. Yeah, well, that's that's the danger. I mean, I have said, you know, I said a few times to not a few times to a few people who have come. Sometimes they've been a dog or somebody I've known, and I've said, frankly, you were a more beautiful person before this experience. <laughs> Why? Because, because they've they become so dogmatic. Yes, and well, intolerant. Well, this what happens. What's going on? That happening? that I would say is the proof that it wasn't an experience. It wasn't a real say, experience. Say some more. You what? can't, you can't, it's very difficult, because it's terribly difficult to discern a true spiritual experience. Mm. But a true spiritual experience should have a certain criteria. For example, it should integrate into life. Yes. It should gradually integrate into your life. If you feel you've experienced the Holy Spirit, well, show it to me. Yes. What are you doing? How are you living? That's yes. one. Right. And it's the touchstone, and it's touchstone so, like is Jesus love. Says, you, you should know them by their by their fruits. By their fruits. He made the most simple definition of discernment of spirits. But when you get people who begin to dogmatize, I think that it's a certain sign that something's wrong. What, what would be Either wrong? I would, what would be wrong would be mm. this: that they may have had a true experience. Mm. But they have not integrated it truly into mm. their lives, or they have let it deteriorate. Mm -hmm. Because some people have a very great peak experience, mm. and after that, there are people who try to live up to that, yes. but they don't live it in their lives. So the consequence is that there's a, there's a, there's a kind of an extraordinary distance between the two, and people begin to act a role. Right. But what's going to enable, sister, a person, say, a person um, has a, a, a genuine religious experience, you know, mm -hmm. a real sense of finding God, finding mm -hmm. Christ, then coming from that experience, as you described, can't bring it, integrate it into, da into daily life, end up grasping hold of the experience, mm -hmm. using it to, for yeah. self-affirmation. Mm -hmm. yeah. What makes the difference between a person who does integrate and a person who doesn't? What's ha what's happening? Well, there you are. The fruit, the fruit by their fruit, you know them, you can recognize. But let's say the quality of the experience is very similar. It could be the same. And the same. It, Yet it, it, the many it, fruits, yeah. one sweet and one sour. Yeah. Well, it. it I would. In the, I correct that by mm. saying that I. A true experience mm. should produce true fruit, but some like people a, an, a, a, like a fig like, tree seed will produce yes, a fig tree. Yes. yes, but there are people who have not been, as I said, we use the word faithful. That is the light you have. You live true to that light when you're in the darkness. That's that is uh, some French writer said that about in quite another context, but I think it's very true. You have to go on living it. Now, that's why people who have an experience of God or think they have, they should, they need uh, some sort of support. Yes. Some sort of check. 
what, what, what would outside be the, themselves. Right. What what would be the support and 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 check? What do you have in? Well, I would have in mind that you would have a, a spiritual master. Yes. A spiritual something. Which friend, assumes that friend. the spiritual master is all is already experienced. Think, yes, yes. Because you can't be a spiritual master or mother or whatever unless you yourself have made that road yourself. Yes. Right. And that's the only quality of a, of a spiritual master is that, that you must have trodden the road. What's right. for you, Sanghamaya? Right. Now, in that, so in the treading of the road, one of the fruits must be the manifestation of love in life, must be. Absolutely. They're the only, the only true manifestation hmm. of a true experience of God is love. Yes. As we understand that God is love. Mm. God is an overflowing of love. And our only way of living is that. Yes. And that's why it's so terrible that so many religious people and so many people who think they've had religious experiences mm. are not lovable, yes. are not loving, yes. and they are selfish and dogmatic and, and everything yes. you can imagine. And yes. if they are like that, they are not... It, it's not the right way. What shall I say? It's wrong. Yes. And dogmatism is wrong. Mm. And it's yes. very harmful. It's very hurtful. Mm -hmm. Both personally and outwardly, of course. When it harms the person, it yes. narrows them. They, they mm. shrivel up. Who knows? Well, as I do, you meet so many people like that. Right. So, so we were saying that there's the uh, the inward. Um, journey, the transformation that can take mm -hmm. place um, with the essential factor of, of faith taking place. Mm -hmm. and, in, and in a way, when I hear, for example, or and Jesus says, I am the way, the life and the truth, no one can reach the Father except by me. Me has always seemed to me. Like finds like, mm -hmm. Christ finds God, God finds Christ. You can't see Christ love. without love. Right. And He is love. And you block Him if you don't love. But there is the whole chapter of St. Paul on which the, where they use the word charity, mm. 13th of Corinthians. Oh, beautiful, beautiful piece. Well, there. If you have faith as great as a mountain, if you don't love, if yes. you go and let yourself be burnt, and yet have no love, no, yes. you're worth nothing. Yes. If you make all the noise in the world, mm. symbol and what else, and you have no love, you're nothing. Mm. You're nothing. So it seems that in... That chapter... Is it? Yes, it's very strong. But So it seems that the inward journey must touch places of love to understand transcendence. Yes? Yes. And in moving from that level, and coming out, that love has to flow out into the world. That's the only form of Christian contemplation that's even possible. But it's not only Christian because it is a form, for us it has the mediation of Christ, but if you take Buddhism, mm. we'd say it has the, the compassion yes. for all beings. 
The only thing is that I think it doesn't always produce out. No, I mean that it tends is, to be, but that's another question. Yes, right. But the thing is that the whole idea of contemplation is that you you are you are reach an attitude by which you pour out your love on others. Yes. And the, otherwise, what are you doing? Mm. What are you doing? Living for yourself. Yes. But but then comes is it is it is it with the transformation and, and the love flowing free from the doc, dogmatism mm -hmm. um, and the putting of love into the world, but often it seems to require a vehicle for that to happen. Yeah, well that's true, because I think human life is that way. Mm. It has to be channeled somewhere. Because yes. if we all want just to go and live love everywhere, I don't think we'd accomplish no. much. We have to... to Orient it has to be channeled in some way. Huh? Question is absolutely true. Mm. Therefore, you have different forms of the way love is expressed according to the person. Yes. But why, 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 say, why, why is it, say, in um, religious traditions? I mean, Buddhism, classic for this. Mm. Some of the uh, contemplative orders in mm. Christianity, Christianity, Sufism, and so forth, that there has been, I mean, a great deal of inner work and practice on oneself, transforming, taking place to some mm. degree, yet not in any specifically noticeable form, really getting manifested outwardly. Mm. I mean, as you say, Buddhism uh, talks a great deal of love, friendship, mm. compassion, but socially hasn't been so, has kept to a rather a large degree within the monastic system. Yes. And so have some of the contemplative orders. So what's going to make this really flow out into the world? Well, I have a thing with the contemplative orders. I know, I heard from the contemplative <laughs> <laughs> I am sure, from the beginnings of reading the Gospel, that there were no such things as this is a kind of historical development. All right. Kind of shut mm. up. But I am sure that today there's nothing more needed, and some of the wisest people I've ever talked to mm. have said the same thing. We need contemplation, but that it is in the streets. It's yes. in the middle of people. It's out. Right. It's going out somewhere. It's not necessarily all in the streets, because you can imagine a, a little centre of contemplation like yours, mm. which enables people to go out. Yes. But it must flow out, yeah. And I think it depends on the different person and mm. what they, they, they are capable of. We don't all have the same aptitudes. I have a... I met one of our sisters. When she's not living in a... Con contemplative order, we are supposed to be fairly contemplative, but not a contemplative mm. order, but she is in the inner city in, in Sydney. Mm. Well, given more given than that, I don't know. She's there with all these people coming in and out, Aborigines, drug addicts and so on, living, she's living mm. there. But in that area, there are some sisters who were originally in a contemplative enclosed convent. And now they're living there, and these people come in and out of their little house, and I asked them,
how did you manage to get out of the enclosure, uh, the common, and be allowed to yes. here? How did you manage it? And the the superior who was there is now in Rome. I got hold of her. I said, but how did you manage? She said. I was the provincial, so I tell them go, <laughs> and they went, and they're there, and they are living a contemplative life, but in the middle of all these drug addicts. It's it, like, marvelous. That because they are giving, but they're giving in that type. You yes. Know? But you can figure for yourselves a dozen other ways, you know. Yes. And how how the, this communication could come about? It's it's infinite the amount that could be done. Yes. You see, in, in, if I use it um, to compare with Buddhism, Buddhism has had a very long historical debate on what is called the, uh, ar the ideal of the Arahant mm -hmm. versus the Bodhisattva. Yeah. And originally the Arahant was one who did nothing but contemplate till all the impurities of the mind were there and there was um, freedom with love, but there was no expectation on him or her to actually be active. No. And there's something of a protest, a spiritual protest, taking place during the centuries after the Buddha, in which the Bodhisattva yes. ideal came to be, in which the men and women said, it's not just enough to sit cross-legged inwardly, and therefore took it from that to serving all sentient beings mm -hmm. and that became the the thrust and as a part because of that Asia became familiar with Dharma teachings with mm -hmm. spiritual practices etc in different ways but so there's been this long long debate and and it's still not resolved, not resolved by, by any by any means so here in this case you give say an, a beautiful illustration in Sydney. Mm -hmm. But do you feel at the present time there are more illustrations of that? Do you, what, what's your feeling with contemplative orders, with religious orders and their relationship to society? Oh, there, there are many changes, mm. but they need many more changes. Which would be, which are already? Well, it's a very complex story because there are immense numbers of people involved and there are tremendous historical structures and there are church structures, ecclesiastical structures. It's not at all easy to see in general how things can be. I believe that people have to quietly go out and do what they see they think they should do mm. within the context mm. of a group or whatever because I don't believe too much in people just rushing out wildly and doing no. all sorts of things because I've met in the religious life say the context in the Philippines I, I know sisters who've gone down to live mm. with the poor they've gone down as a group mm. but they lived they used to run colleges now they don't then they found that living with the poor is not so easy as all that. Mm -hmm. That it has all sorts of implications, mm -hmm. practical and other, that you have to take into account. And the poor themselves, the very poor, uh, to see you know, a group of people of quite a different 
standard of education and so on. Even the language you talk is different. You have to learn, just as you learn to, yes. to go into a foreign country, how these people live. But you can't do it by just going... No. So I think it's a, a, a thing, a very gradual process. Yeah. If, if you take the situation, say right here this afternoon, I think, mm. but here we are uh, meeting in uh, Francesca's apartment, and Francesca and Mauro and Carrado have been telling me about the meetings with some of the Christian yes. contemplatives yes. and the Buddhist practitioners, so yeah. we say. And the thing, the message which I've been hearing from the three of them is very much that the Christian contemplatives seem to be far more contemplative <laughs> than the Buddhist, which is interesting. <laughs> now, whether that's because it, this, here we are at Rome, in Rome, the, you know, the, the kind of mecca of Catholicism, <laughs> you know, and it's a special situation. And what does he mean by that? What do they mean by that? More contemplative? Well, it means things have more religious feeling, spiritual insights and communicating something a, well, that, I mean, like yes. one of the Buddhist meditation teachers, I won't mention any names, was apparently <laughs> was putting people to sleep. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more. <laughs> well, you know, the ones we interviewed, I don't know whether <laughs> they were all exemplar. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. No. But, but no, I mean, is this part of your... You know, in, um, I mean, your work is in, is such a making quite some connections. Yes. And and therefore um, genuinely contributing to a interreligious um, dialogue, which is very beautiful. Just you think it's good. Oh, oh fabulous! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad because there is this is something that I am very convinced of. Yes. But I wasn't always aware of it. But what, what's brought out this awareness? Well, uh, when I entered, I went to a contemplative convent behind the uh, Carmelite, mm. behind the grill. Yes, you know? yes. I'm and I thought I was going to stay there for good, in England. And Whereabouts so, in England? Chichester. Oh, in Chichester? Yes. Yes, 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 all right. I know Chichester, there. lovely. Well, you go I there and just outside. Well, there's a little the convent there. <laughs> <laughs> And I, um, then they, they said, oh no, you can't stay because it's too, you need more activity. How, how many years ago were you talking? Oh, years ago. Like? Before the war. Oh, years ago. Yes, right. I don't know why. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I came out weeping and weeping and wailing and saying it's impossible, that's my vocation. I don't want to go anywhere else, but I had to come out. Gosh. So I, uh, finally I entered with our sisters who are teaching now, I didn't want That's to teach. Name. Yes, mm. I didn't want to teach. I only wanted to be a contemplative. <laughs> but anyhow, I, I became a nun, and all the way through, all the, all along the way, I've kept on saying, no, but this is not my vocation. I, I, <laughs> they've always given me things I mean, to is do. this like when you've been in the third world? And been no, I, I was in, uh, or, no, I was sent to Rome first. Mm. And, uh, to teach? Yes, always teaching school. Mm. Mm. And so, well, I've told them this before. They've got to... <laughs> then, right, you want? You want? You want... <laughs> well, all right. Well, then I, then I, uh, I came to Rome, and in Rome, the, the convents are very, very, very old-fashioned. My God, that was terrible. But I stayed there for some years, and then I was sent to to the general. I have a general house there, 
and the war broke out. I was a student still and studying music. And when the war broke out, you were in Rome. I, I mean, this is Rome. time of fascism. Mussolini. Yes, yes, all this. Yes. this then I went to. Mussolini um, said he was going to make the Mediterranean into an Italian lake. That's yeah, it. Right. Yeah, that's yes. it. The Great War, Abyssinian War, yes, and yes. so on. And the mother, the mother superior, said to me, "I'm not going to send you out with the children anymore for a walk because you look too English." Because <laughs> it was Italian. Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. Now, well, then after the war, I was sent to England for mm. a while, and then to the Caribbean mission, mm. and teaching, you know, and, um, and I, well, I went on there for a long time, it's very, very bad climate and so And finally, were I had no more strength. Right, I'm sorry. Were you able, say, in making a, a rather dramatic step from Carmelites to Ursulines, I mean, in some respect, from the inner yeah, to the inner, yeah. what of your contemplative practices and ways stayed with you? Well, I would say that the Ursulines, as I knew them, had a had a bias to a very strong interior life. Oh, they did. Yes. They did. We had an hour. We had we meditated for an hour in the morning, and a half hour in the evening, and we said office, and we talked. So you had some feeling of continuity. Oh yeah, yes. It's a little bit like. Um, doing intensive retreats and sitting an hour a day or something, isn't it? It's <laughs> rather similar parallel. <laughs> well, we had an hour and a half a day, which is quite a good deal then. Um, yes, but uh, I never finished arguing that, I, that this wasn't enough. So no. I would, you know, I would be with the children, I'd be saying, but this, I shouldn't be here. Mm. But anyhow, I, I was <laughs> Then I was uh, back in Rome again, very ill, after the experience of the, the wild um, Caribbean. Yes, the wild Caribbean plus the hot climate. And then what happened? Then I went, I was asked to go to Manila. I had I was always thinking of Latin America, mm. but I, so I went to Manila and there I got, I got six years in the Far East, which yes. fixed my mind on that. Is that when the first contact I mean, in terms of and thought with regard to interreligious connections. Really, yes, yes. Mm. I had met lots of people before because I'd studied also in Belgium. Uh -huh. But um, I had uh, really there. You were faced with it, mm. you know, with all the people from all over yes. all over Asia were in the centre. Mm. Did that affect your Christian um, beliefs or perspectives? I mean, in so far as um, some in Christianity would regard Christianity as the only true faith, and the others are um, deceiving themselves. Well, that that was the old way of looking at things. Mm. But thank God, I never had that. Mm. I don't know why. And people I was mixed with, I came across some people. Sometimes you came across a missionary who was absolutely like that. Mm. You see, and I've I came across people who. Thought the devil was in the, in yes. Buddhism and so yes. but that it, that was fairly rare there. Only I noticed that when I went to Taiwan mm. and I wanted to go into the Buddhist monasteries and so on because I was already very interested through a friendship I had yes. with a priest who was involved, and um, the sisters pulled back, yes. didn't want to go. My first experience in Bombay, when I first went yes. out, was that I stayed with some Irish sisters. And I said, oh, but I want to go and visit 
this uh, temple. Mm. They'd never been there. They'd been 20 years in India without a been there. And I went in, you know, and they... Alienation. And, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrible to think what some of these Christians, how they live. But they were Irish sisters. Yes, they did their school and so on. They had their friends. Well, anyway, it grew and grew with me because I was always in contact with people who were interested. And especially because prayer interests me and contemplation mm. does. And that is the whole thing that draws one in, yes. in Asian religions. Right. And when I came back, and I remember, years six, well, uh, ten years ago. Mm, yes. But then I got permission to live a bit... More freestyle. Uh, free, free style. Yes. Because I felt... But then after that, all these things I'm doing sort of gradually grew without my going around looking for them. Excellent. So I, I didn't, I had in mind, what I had in mind really was to make a little centre. Yes. But as soon as you say centre with our sisters, they think of a house and money and people. I said, no, I could yes. be a centre myself. Of course, right? absolutely. Yeah. You are. And so, yes. so then, I, then I, I began living like this and, uh, <coughs> you know, it's not so easy for Christian religious because they're very structured yes. and they look on you and say, well, what are you doing? Well, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but people come to me and I meet people and yes. I write and I translate and so on. But in a way, <coughs> bringing the message of <coughs> contemplation and action well, and to, to the rest, to others, to others. I'm convinced now with this experience that this is what is needed of some people. But mm. I have realized that many people are not able, would not be able to live as I'm living. Yeah. Because? Because many people need to live in a convent yeah. with a community. Mm. I don't mind, I go to them mm. sometimes, but I don't live there. Many people couldn't make contact. No. Not everybody can, and no, I, no, I recognize in yes. myself the capacity for contacting non importa key. I don't mind who I meet, no, right. I'm able to do it, but I know that for many people it's a big obstacle. They yes. would like to, some of our sisters would like to do what I'm doing, but they would not dare. They'd be afraid, they, they're, mm. they're formed by the, the structure, you see? And because the structure does provide a certain uh, It gives security. a security. If you imagine, when I first began to live like this, I was frightened, because I'd never lived in a flat. Then I'd lived for years in a convent. Gosh. I had never fended for myself or earned my own living at all, because I went to the convent. I and I had to learn how to cope with these things. I how many years yes. ago is this? Well, ten years ago. It's the last ten, ten, ten years, all yes. this. Yes. So I've learnt, I've learnt, and then people, I've met people, and I've contacted and people have come to me. And now I can see the use of it, yes. at least as far as I can see it. Some people, just like yourself, say it's useful. Yes. And I would um, say that I have met superiors mm. who have recognised the need for... See, our problem is this, that what within... What do they recognize the need for? They recognize the need for individual um, apostolates, if yes. you know. Individuals mm. going and doing something, On one, but being connected with the community. Mm. Whereas 
our problem has always been that people have thought of a community as such doing a work. Because we have schools, the community as such is involved in that school. Mm. Now, one sisterhood goes off, another goes off there. But that didn't happen. It's happening now because we're closing schools. We have to close schools. And I can see that that is a good thing. Yeah. But I yeah, wouldn't no. say that in front of my no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, But some of us believe that it's a good thing. Yeah. And we have believed for a long time. Yeah. Now, what, what, what about, um, for example, um, uh, I've been hearing Francesca's been telling me uh, about some of the hermits that live out yes. in the countryside. Yes. I mean, not so many hours drive away from Rome. Yes. And we've been hearing of, of one who, owing to visitors, has been going higher up the mountain to, yes. uh, to um, uh, uh, keep, keep away. That to me, is, I find that very um, encouraging and somewhat in inspiring that there are people maintaining the contemplative There are. There are not only, there know, there are not are only orders, and, but there are many hermits today. Yes. There are many more. It's become something very, um, very frequent. And not only some in some monasteries you have some monks living as hermits a little bit mm. way and in America you've got mm. plenty I don't know and uh, as I say I've met some in England yes. and, and here and I've always wished myself to be a hermit mm. I would go up on the mountain and that's that but uh, people have always said to me see I happen to be a person who have a have a spiritual master. Now, every time I ask him, he says no. <laughs> so I check, you see, I check. I should go off like Sister, yes. <laughs> Sister Teresa. But instead of that, I've got, I've got a kind of temperament that I, I, if I say I trust him and I know he's wise. Yes. And if he says no, then go sometimes. He says, yes, you need it. Go off sometime for six months if you like, but come back. <laughs> yes. You see what I mean? Yes, right, but this right. is, this is, and I believe that this is the type of religious life in the future will be little groups or individuals. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't accepted and it isn't really, it's, it's difficult even now because um, you can now go and be a hermit and be defined as a hermit. That is in canon law since the council. You can be. You can be. I could go and ask the Vatican to define me a hermit. That's right. <laughs> Beautiful. But I belong, still belong to my, my group. Oh dear, I'm sure but you're very tired. What's happening to these things? We've done... We, it's a word that is quite difficult. It's very popular. And it's even a catch word. But, and it has all sorts of levels. Right, so what, what would be um, one or two of the levels to use, you think, sister, with regard to this catch word of contemplation? I think that it represents something we're all looking for, mm. or we're all trying to live in one way or another, a kind of a, a, a way of looking at things, an attitude. Mm -hmm. 
which is the derivation of the word. I think it means mirare, look. Mm. But it also means teoria in Greek, which is uh, sounds like theory. Um, which I think is the highest form of what we can try for mm. in this life, as long as we see it including everything. I don't know if that's very yeah. clear. But. So, if contemplation means to to look and to keep looking, what's worth contemplating? What's worth you say? Look at everything. What, what does it? What does that mean for for a person for us? Like an easy job at the moment. Yeah. Well, I I think that um, when I say look at everything, what I could say is that there is a, a, an ancient Christian writer who talks about looking at the reasons of things. Or, in other words, looking at the inner flame of things. Mm. And it's connected with each one's faith, mm. I think, that gives the content to that attitude of looking. Yes. For example, if I look, as I have been looking lately at natural things, I can look at a, a tree that has produced in total silence and stillness uh, a new new leaves and flowers and I can see if I'm con contemplating in the way I, I see it something that's behind all that and it can be defined in so many different ways it mm. can be the old um, Maximus the Confessor in the, in the 5th century said, uh, you look behind and you see the, the reasons of mm. things. But those reasons are connected in my mind with a power and an energy that comes from somewhere else, which I connect as a Christian with God, mm. who is the Creator. And uh, that this includes, it seems to me, to cover everything in my daily life, I see this kind of energy going through everything. Mm. And if I, as, as a, the contemplation that I'm thinking of now, which is what they call the first contemplation, the content, natural contemplation, mm. I reach by a practice, which is another matter, the contemplative practice, which enters into the training towards this mm. way of looking at things. So, so contemplation here meaning that if I say, take something in nature, say like you say a tree, and totally, totally look at that, I'll begin to see more than just what I'm immediately mm -hmm. confronted with, namely mm -hmm. the form, shape mm -hmm. and colour of the tree. But I would, I would distinguish there, because you can say that if we each look at a tree and one is an artist and sees simply the colour and the mm. form and the shape and yeah. so on, and another is a scientist mm. and looks at it in its cells, yes. and or if you're an ecologist, you're looking at it with a feeling 
of something that could be harmful. Yes. Uh, and my, uh, my particular bent would be that I would look at it in connection with, with the energies of God himself. Yes. The spirit working. Right. So I, the tree is, is in some way, because of the energy, um, a manifestation and an intimation of something transcendent to it. Yes, yes. And, that, and it's that spirit that makes it contemplative. I think yeah. so. I, I, as this is a very sketchy sort of. Yes. I mean, it's very unfinished, because I took a tree, because I was looking at a tree as we came along. Mm. But I think, as you go on in the practice of contemplation, it doesn't matter what you look at. You come through, to yes. through this attitude. You see something greater. Now, do I do for you mentioned that this is the first that's a natural contemplation? Does one need for contemplation to take something from or anything from the visible world, or can it be yourself. without? Hmm? You can look into yourself, right? Hmm. And you can look into yourself, and you have no object there, mm -hmm. but you're still contemplating. And there is a contemplation that has no object, but it's an awareness, and they touch being itself. And they? Being yes. itself. Therefore, my original nature, shall mm. we say, is what I'm contemplating. Yes. Only the type of contemplation for me is always connected with the more there's something that's bigger. How, how in, um, um, say, the inner contemplation, say, with, with the outer, let us say, um, it might appear to be a little bit easier insofar as one has a specific object, mm. and this object implies something greater. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm contemplating inwardly, there's just a pure awareness there, and I have no object, mm -hmm. as you describe, what is going to imply something greater? understand? Yeah, because I don't think you necessarily need an object. You may need an object as you begin to enter into a contemplative way yes. as a kind of mediation to help you. Yes. And a mediation can use your senses, yes. and your inner senses, mm. in order that you may reach the attitude in which you're, you're in a state of awareness, yes. of being. Now how, how it takes you to something else, greater, I yes. think that's a question of faith. Mm. I, I think so, I think, I don't know, I think that I would explain it by saying because you have a faith that tells you something. Yes. It's not a faith in the sense of faith in dogmas or anything, it's mm. just a faith. And, and the word faith, of course, needs a yes. good deal more. Right. Um, so there is some that we're in, say, in our inner awareness where we come to a place of, so we say, pure contemplation without 
an object. And then it's at this point that the, the faith puts becomes... us before an object which is transcendent. The Evagrius of Pontus says that when you come to that point, you are, you reach the place of God, but he takes that out of the Bible. He, mm. call, he takes a wonderful description in which God appeared on, uh, with his footsteps were stepped on sapphire-colored uh, pavement and so on, mm. which are uh, <coughs> biblical expressions, but what he reaches is a, a contemplation of a God as Trinity. And there you come to another point where yes. you would need to expand. But the, the, the thing is that you meet there, if you reach that point of contemplation, you're going on to beyond the natural contemplation mm -hmm. to reach the, the, the transcendent, not merely the transcendent in a natural way, which you find mm -hmm. in daily life, but a transcendent which is beyond you but which by faith you know is there. Let's take, because we've used three concepts here which uh, can be difficult or possibly unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. And one is faith, one is trinity, and one is transcendent. Mm -hmm. So if faith is a quality of mind, a quality of heart and mind, absolutely essential, how else might it be described? And what, what, what are we talking about? Because as far as a quality of mind, that is a natural faith, no? Which you can have. Example, what would be an example of a um, natural faith? I'm afraid I'm going to explain it badly because if I say I believe in something, mm. belief and faith are not the same thing. No. But here, I, my idea of contemplation was based on faith in the sense of a gift which comes to me, mm -hmm. but which contains not only, it's a biblical faith. Yes. And the biblical yes. faith is not just, we've divided it up into three words, but in reality it's one. Mm. Faith, hope and charity are just one thing. Mm. And faith contains love and love contains faith. Yes. And uh, according to my understanding, that, that faith, which is basic to my contemplation, is something which I receive. Mm. And I think all men on this earth mm. receive it. Ah. because God has enlightened all men who came into this world. Mm. That's a word of scripture which I believe very much. And the enlightening is another word for faith, mm. that there's a capacity to contemplate. Without it, but it, I don't think man exists without mm. it. I think that it's it's an error, and I think this is where. So, so we, if I get it right here, as you said, um, faith is a is a gift which 
all human beings received by virtue of being human. Humans. Right. And that in a state of inward contemplation, this gift is present. Activated. Actively. And therefore, it doesn't have to be sought after or developed or looked for. But in an objectless inner contemplation, the faith will be there. I think so. Mm. I think it's there. With the contemplation, it develops. Yes. In power and capacity, naturally. Mm-hmm. Where it comes into another element is where it's connected with revelation. Scriptural or personal? Scriptural. Mm. Scriptural revelation, mm. which gives a more, what should I say, it details more what this signifies. Mm. But as far as faith goes, it, it's, it, the, the definition of faith itself is the certainty of something which we cannot perceive. Right. right. So you, you see there, you've got something where you are in a mystery. Yes. But it exists. But mm. the, the, the detailed knowledge of it, in ultimate analysis, it comes to me because I believe mm. someone has now, said something. Let me get it clear. So in this contemplation, there is the faith there. And then this faith and the journey which is taking place, let us say, from something known to unknown, Mm -hmm. which is happening naturally because of the movement of faith. Then you said, in that journey, scriptural revelation has an importance. I I may... mm. I mean, I could say, but lots of people don't know the scripture. Yeah, exactly. I, I would modify that perhaps by saying, All men have, in one way or another, Mm. a capacity. It's like a capacity. It's mediated. Mm. And here you have different paths and different religions in which this man or that man have found a mediation, have come upon it by many, for many different reasons, some of them being because you're born somewhere and you're there Mm. in front of it. And others in another way. Mm-hmm. I happen to have been born in a Christian family. Yes. Then the, this revelation was given right. to me. But I can see perfectly well that this mediation can come through other things, through a Hindu. Right. But would you, uh, let me get it clear. Would you say here, sister, that the various forms of mediation mm-hmm. and your. Uh, as you say, openness and receptivity to them, that the mediation has actually happened before you come to this place of contemplation with faith, or the mediation can be happening during or after. Do you see what I mean? You mean to a single man? Yes. I mean, many people, I think, live their whole lives with, they're not even conscious of the faith they have. Right. They don't know it's there. Right. But I think many people have it in different forms. Mm. And a mediation not, need not necessarily be through religion as, as such. such. It can be through, 
through a multitude mm. of things. That's why I think that art may be a mediation yes. that carries on to something, to touch a mystery, yes. without the person hardly knowing what they're, no. they're talking about, you see. But I can't, I can't see that it's particularly timed this way and that, because I think the faith grows, how it grows, mm. and when it grows. I think that's part of one of those mysteries, mysteries that yes. we, can't, we can go very near, perhaps, but we can't get hold of. Mm. Now, in, in, in that uh, contemplative, objectless awareness, where faith is that work and there's a movement towards and there's the support of uh, scripture and scriptural insight all of which allows that flow to take place then say in christian terminology one would say the primary mediator is jesus mm -hmm. where 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 in this inwardness where is the centrality of Jesus? Is it that Jesus inspires us to come to contemplative faith? Or that Jesus' real work begins during this period? What, what I is? think it can be either. Because I can imagine a person who is a Christian mm. without practically knowing they're a Christian mm. who discovers the reality of faith at some point mm. and thereafter the reality of what scripture contains and there's a development there other people and I think this is very true that many people go inwardly in a search without object yes but there they meet a presence which after they can verify mm -hmm. in the sense that in the gospel Christ has said he will live in you, I will live in you, my father will live in you, my spirit is in you. Mm -hmm. You may quite conceivably discover that before you have seen it in scripture. Where, 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 where is there that kind of Confirmation or affirmation. Well, in Scripture. Yes. Well, what, Saint John's Gospel. That that. The words you mean. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. 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 Which... Christ has it in in uh, when he says, um, "I will be with you." I will. Um, he who knows my father, me knows my father, father, and we will come and we will dwell in him. Yes. St. John's Gospel is full of the word dwelling. Mm. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Yes. Um, there are innumerable texts. Now, but they're mostly in St. John's Gospel right. and in St. Paul. Now, wouldn't that, within, within the uh, scriptural text, imply um, an, an historical knowledge of Jesus? The text itself. Well, well, the the, the, the statements. You know, in other words, for this inwardness, does it mean that one actually has to know about the historical person of Jesus? No. 
No, otherwise, no. you know. No. Why? Right. I mean, it, to you say will... no would be, it would be quite a radical statement from a Christian, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that, it that you are not... Uh, uh, wait a minute. Put that straight I, I put it right. right. In, in, um, and no, in my understanding of normal Christian living, living yes. and understanding, yes. it's absolutely essential that one knows about the historical person of Jesus in order to find God. No. That one actually knows about his life, what he said, etc., etc. Most characterized by the statement, most famous one, chapter 14, verse 6, um, I am the way, the life, and the truth. No one can reach the Father except by me. Yes, but... This has um, oh, I mean, been the major hurdle, hasn't it, for... Uh, many people. For many, both Christians and non-Christians, mm -hmm. this particular but, statement. Yeah, but I think there you'll have to see it. You don't have to do fundamentalist readings. No. And I think that God has all kinds of ways of telling us about himself. Mm. And there are Christians who have only hazy notions about Revelation. Yes. And they have the haziest notions, mm. and they have the falsest notions. Right. They may be Christians, and God knows what's going on in their minds. So how can we understand? Right. But as it, but mm. if I, if anyone says I am a Christian, <coughs> they imply that they are followers of Christ. Yes. But it doesn't imply necessarily that they know a lot of things. They may know very little because I have met, I remember a Hindu girl who wanted to be baptized, but she knew nothing, but she knew Christ. Mm. How? God knows. Yes. Christ reveals himself to people, yes. independently of us, independently of all our lessons. And this I believe very much, and I think that you can, you are, there are people who are Christians deeply, and yet outwardly, Yes. There's lacking all this. Evidently, no. when you're born in a in a country which says it's Christian, mm. you take it for granted that all this has to be uh, there, present, yes. in order to be Christian. Yes, right. But then I have I don't feel like that because I think God is much greater. Than these things, I believe in Christ. Uh, um. A Christ which is discoverable by all beings, mm -hmm. even if he or she knows nothing of the text, mm -hmm. has never seen.